Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oak Brook. My name is Sue Ann Camfield. I serve on staff here at the church and I have the joy of being the host of this podcast. Here at Deeper Still, we are all about carving out space in our lives to pay attention to what God is doing, what he's doing in our own souls and in the world around us as he calls us to go deeper still in relationship with him and with one another. So um, as always, I know I say this, but I mean it no matter where you find yourselves on the journey. I'm just so glad on this beautiful day that you chose to join us. Well, today we are closing out our conversation on the book of Ephesians. And in some ways, I feel like it's hard to believe that we have been walking through the book of Ephesians since January. And in other ways, I feel like it's gone by in the blink of an eye. But regardless, I'm just always amazed as I sit back and reflect. I did a little bit of that this morning as I was preparing for our time today. I'm just amazed at what God brings to the surface when we dig in and we spend time in his word. And so I'm thankful for the book of Ephesians, just all the wonderful guests we have had over these last couple of months. Um, Today, we are going to make our way through Ephesians chapter 6 to conclude the book. And I think uh, when I say Ephesians chapter 6, as some of you out there listening, there might not be much that kind of registers with you. Maybe Ephesians 6 means nothing to you. But but if I said today we're going to talk about the armor of God, I think most of you would be familiar with that. And that is actually found in Ephesians chapter 6, specifically verses 10 through 20. And that's where we're going to spend most of our time today. And I uh, can't imagine anyone better to help me conclude the book of Ephesians and to help guide us through this conversation today than my good friend. Uh, and now I think a podcast legend is what I'm going to say. I'm my good friend, Chris Stevenson. And so, uh, friends, wherever you are today, wherever you find yourself, just saddle up, settle in, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6 if you can, and listen in as Chris and I go deeper still. Well, hey, Chris. Hey there. <laughs> Welcome back to uh, the Deeper Still Studio. It's always good to have you here, my friend. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I'm not sure I've ever been called le- a legend of anything, <laughs> let alone a podcast legend, but thank, thank you for that. I thought, why not? You know what? Why not? I feel like, you know, we laugh. Sometimes people recognize. I love when I see people that recognize you because they hear your voice and mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you're on the podcast and they don't know you, but they right. recognize your voice or they might recognize your name, but never have seen your face. And it just brings me so much joy when that happens. Yeah. That kind of makes me giggle. I've had people a couple times now, like at the gathering, like tap me on the shoulder and be like, that, I thought that was you. <laughs> I'm like, okay. This is just Which weird. Which is scary too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, it reminds you of the gravity of, um, just what we, I mean, I love what we do and it brings me so much joy, but it's mm-hmm. also something I take really seriously because- yes. We're not just talking about, you know, who's going to win the bachelorette or something. (laughs) We're talking about the word of God. So, (laughs) Oh, you know, I get that. Um, Sometimes people will tell me uh, their stories and they'll say, gosh, when I um, came here for the very first time, you were preaching. And my heart always stops because I think they were here for the first time. And who knows what I said or what I was preaching on or how it hit them. But you do. You realize all of a sudden the weight of our words. Um, and how sometimes we can say something that means one thing to us and people hear them differently, but just there is there is such a gravitas and a responsibility yeah. to that when we, you know, and not only do we do this, we put it out for anyone to listen to. Anyone. I mean, who does that? It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of crazy that we do that. 
thanks for reminding me right before we dig into this weighty topic. And right before I ask you what you thought of the last episode that we did, uh, Chris, uh, or not Chris, uh, Kathy, Lisa, and I... um, talked about uh, submission, which, you know, is so funny because we, the three of us were laughing at, you know, is this a good idea to talk about putting your words into the world? Like, is this a good idea to talk about submission? And, and, you know, it's such a sticky topic, but I'm so glad that we did that. And we dug into that because I just think there's so much confusion around those things. And I think not that we get every piece of it right, but the more we can talk about it and shed light on some of those places, I was I was just really thankful for that conversation. Yeah, I was. I just finished listening to it. I was rolling into the parking lot, literally, just like <laughs> wrapping it up. And uh, it was such a good conversation. And I think you guys treated it well. Um, I I love just some of those reminders about you know that submission is something that we participate in. It's it's it requires action on mm-hmm. our part as opposed to being subjected to mm-hmm. something. And I, I know that um, Kathy had mentioned that in the podcast and also when we did the panel discussion, and I think that's a real important piece of it. And then also just that idea of that, you know, Paul isn't commanding anything that he hasn't done, and, and he's not commanding it, it's coming from God. And God's not commanding anything that Jesus didn't do. Mm. I mean, we have the ultimate example of submission and laying your own um, will and desires down for the betterment of another mm-hmm. and for the glory of God. Yeah. And so I just thought those were such such good reminders. Mm-hmm. And again, and we're going to get to this, comes back to that overriding theme of unity mm-hmm. and how our unity, again, gives glory to God and is a witness yes. um, to the world around us and part of that looking different. Um, being children of the light instead of children of the darkness. And I just love how it all kind of coalesces together. It comes together. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, um, yeah, that's just a good way to sum that up. And I was thinking as a woman too, part of my journey and one of the reasons that that has been important um, to me to get that piece right is um, just, you know, we, we, I'm going to open a can of worms. I really didn't mean to. (laughs) But uh, as a woman in ministry, as a female in ministry, right, I'm so thankful for Christchurch because um, we uh, believe that women can serve in all capacities and leadership in the church. I get to preach and I get to teach and I, I am treated equally to my male counterparts. And that seems like, oh, of course, um, that is that is just the norm. And I'm just reminded again in conversations like that, that that's not the norm. Um, And there are a lot of women who are in leadership in churches and maybe not that they're, I don't mean to say that they're not necessarily treated equal as their male counterparts, but how that plays out and the gifts that they're able to use in the church um, is dependent on how we interpret some of these verses. And so that's, that's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother time. But it personally, I've studied these uh, verses and passages, so many like those, uh, because I've been trying to find my place as a female in leadership in the church. And it's just been life-giving to me to come to be able to exegete scripture. And it doesn't mean that everyone has to agree on it or everyone does agree on it. Uh, they don't, but it's just come, uh, it's it's helped me come to a place of conviction in my own soul about what I'm called to do. Yeah. Well, and as the mother of a daughter who just entered mm, ministry. That's right. Grace um, Stevenson, our new middle school yeah, coordinator. I am also so grateful to be a part of a church that understands it the way, but I also grew up in a, a church that understood it differently, and it's a wrestling. Yeah. Like, you know, so many of these places in scripture, I mean, I think there's a reason that they kind of sometimes feel like a little bit of rough spots for us, and it's mm-hmm. because we're on the side of heaven and we're. Mm-hmm. 
you know, through the grace of God, still figuring it out and figuring, Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out in a way that's graceful and truthful and loving and all those good things. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We got to get grace on the podcast. That's my nice. We'll do you and grace and me. Wouldn't that be super fun? So much fun. Let's do it. We've got to figure that out. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into Ephesians chapter six. And, um, as soon as I say that, I back up a minute, as I always do, uh, because what I what I we're gonna dig into the armor of God and spend most of our time, like I said in the introduction, with those verses, uh, verses ten to twenty, that are pretty common to people. But uh, I just want to make a note about how we get to this point. Because when we ended that part on submission, you know, we've said this here, and a lot of people who know their Bibles know this, but maybe it's new information for some people is that, you know, the chapters and verses that get put in the Bible are man-made for us (laughs) to kind of divide sections and and all of that, uh, you know, so we know where we're at and kind of divide things up. Well, um, you know, these were just letters. This was a letter. Uh, There was, Paul didn't script out his verses and chapters. And so uh, Ephesians chapter five runs right into the beginning of Ephesians chapter six, uh, known as something uh, called household codes. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I just want to mention it because we just talked about um, that order of authority in marriage and where that comes from and submitting to one another. And then at the beginning of chapter six, Paul continues on and he talks about how children are to obey their parents. He talks about then how fathers are not to exasperate their children. So similarly, we're saying like wives submit to your husbands, but husbands love your wives. There's a reciprocal relationship the same way with parents and children. It is interesting. They just say fathers do not exasperate your children. Uh, just, <laughs> just noticing I wonder that. if the original Greek, that was more generic. I bet it wasn't. <laughs> Mothers, uh, you have free reign right, to exasperate your children right, all you that's want. That's right. That's right. Fathers needed a special word there. Um, and then slaves to obey your masters. Masters treat your slaves in the same way, meaning um, treat them with kindness and respect. And so it is this just continual way of um, these household codes of now saying, like, this is the authority structure in a household as believers. How do we then live into it in a way that honors God? And so you'll see household codes. Um, Paul uh, will talk about these in other parts of scripture. And so I just call that out to just again, as we try to increase our Bible knowledge and be good students, that 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 is something pretty common throughout Scripture, where Paul has to address how people are living together in their household now as the people of God. So, yeah. well, and I think, yeah, I think that's that's perfect. Like again, Paul's letter is coming to people who are new Christians who are living within the Roman context mm-hmm. of, you know, and there is slavery and it looks different than the slavery that men, comes to many of our minds um, as, you know, um, American listeners and the horrible legacy of slavery in our own country. It's just, it's, it is important to understand the historical context there. And I think for me, the thing with all of these commands for submission is first of all, the mutuality of them, which you mentioned, the, the both sides but also it's almost always in the context of as unto Christ or as mm. slaves of Christ. So it's keeping that overarching um, submission to Christ first. Like this is all, we don't do this because we're awesome people or we do it because it's what Christ is commanding and it's part of our obedience and surrender to him. Yes, And I think that's just important to understand that it's you know there's this wasn't thrown out to the entire culture as a command this was to these new believers because as you submit to Christ you're going to submit mm-hmm. to each other mm-hmm. absolutely and in the same way without understanding that in the same way 
that we have said how women have been injured and abused by passages, this passage about how Paul is talking to slaves to submit to their masters and masters to respect and honor their slaves is not an endorsement of slavery, that that's taken out of context. And so this, this passage has also been used to injure um, our brothers and sisters throughout uh, time, especially as you said in American history, and just we want no part of that, and and, right. and that's not what these verses are saying. And so we always want to again, why it's so important to do the hard work, uh, to do the context, because it's so easy to come to some of these passages and completely take them out of context. Yeah. So, um, so that is that section about household codes. It wraps up in uh, verse nine, and then we move to uh, the armor of God, starting in Ephesians six. Uh, verse 10. Um, and you know, this is this uh, this is the concluding section of the book. Um, Paul starts this section, section and he says, finally, uh, in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And so we see that the letter is coming to a close, but I think it's important to note that this, this section on the armor of God is not something Paul just slips in there. It's not tangential. It's not an afterthought. It's really distinct to the book of Ephesians. I mean, this this piece it kind of um it stands out from the rest of the book in some ways because it's so unique but paul is doing it because it's his final exhortation uh to the people that he's been writing to and and what he's he's trying to get across at a very high level here is is to say you know what this whole time in the letter he's been telling them you got to live a life worthy of your calling right unity you said uh, we got to walk in the way of love uh we are doing all these things because we're on mission together as the church and we want the world or we want the church to reflect uh, Jesus in the world. And so he says all that and um, he says, you know, but if you actually are going to do those things, uh, the enemy is going to attack you. You, the enemy is going to come at you. Um, and so we need to be strong. We need to be strong, not in our own power, but in God's power. Well, and I think that like, I feel like we should just like stop at verse <laughs> 10 as the we are people, I let's not put on the rest of you. I'm a person who tends to think I can operate under my own power. And after I had kind of gone through and, and made some notes on this, I was sitting in the car and it was kind of mentally going through them. And I'm like, you know, we're going to get this command to be strong, Lord, in His mighty power, and put on the armor of God, not put on the armor of Chris. Mm. Um, and I think that is. My temptation is to be like, oh no no, I got this. I'll, I'll put on you know my version of what the armor is and my defenses, which that's not going to cut it. Mm. Um, and Paul has spent a good part of this letter too, especially in the first half, of reminding how powerful God is and how loving He is in that power. And so that should be just such a huge encouragement right off the bat. It's like, hey, guess what? This isn't your power, and please don't even try. To pretend that it is, mm. lean fully into this powerful, loving God who is ready through his spirit to just equip you. And that's such a great place to start before you go into the, these individual pieces and what it means to put them on and what they're what we're putting them on against too. Yes, yeah. And I think that's a really important thing to acknowledge because our tendency, like you said, is to rely on our own power. And for any of us who have been in a situation where, and hopefully this is all of us, but you get to a place because sometimes what we do is we, we try to do our own for, 
you know, um, we try to do it on our own for as long as we can until we realize we can't, right? And I also don't think that's a good way to live. Like, I'm going <laughs> I'm, to I'm, I'm muscle through this as long as I can. And then once I figure out I can't do it on my own anymore, then I'm going to invite God into the process. Yeah. And so that's also <laughs> not a good model. It's not what Paul is saying. But I think any of us who have been in a situation where you get to that point where you're just like, I can't do this on my own. Um, it's too bad that it takes us to get to that point right. to confess and to repent that we can't do it yeah. on our own power. Yeah. So that's a that's a great place um, to start and just this good reminder. And I think um, also acknowledging that, um, you know, we have to be strong because stuff is going to come at us. And if we've ever been in a position maybe of doing, uh, maybe we're in a place where we're like really doing well, we're really clicking with, maybe we're in our sweet spot of our, our ministry or our vocation or our parenting or our, our jobs or whatever it may be. And we feel like everything is going so well, especially when we're doing those things that God calls us to do. You, you um, better believe that that's the place that we're also most prone to attack, to uh, Satan finding the chinks in our armor, our insecurities, uh, making us believe that we can do it on our own when we can't, you know, pride, all of those things. We have to realize that that's when we're probably also most susceptible. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that uh, Satan hates more than a Christian who is living into that calling and, uh, you know, puts puts a target on your back. And I think we sometimes think of that for people who are in ministry, but really anytime you are kind of living into the rest of what he's been when talking about throughout Ephesians that Paul has, we need to be prepared for the, the pushback um, in both subtle ways and in really overt ways. And mm-hmm. I think that's why he's closing. He's kind of closing off with this because he's like, you know, once these Ephesian people start and the other hearers of this letter, once they start to put this into action, whew, Right. You know, get ready. And so, and so get ready. He's going to tell us how to do it. That's right. That's right. Um, Well, and that word struggle, and just I'll forewarn forewarn our audience that we're just going to kind of pick apart a bunch of words as we go through this because there's some great language, there's some great imagery, there's some great metaphors. And so, and Chris and I also are both word nerds. And so we're going to pick apart, it brings us joy. So we're going to pick apart a few um, things. But that word struggle, I thought it was interesting that, um, it's the Greek word, if I'm saying this right, Pele. I don't know how to read my accents in Greek. Uh, I will just confess that right now. But this is the only a place it appears in the New Testament, which I thought was really interesting. And the imagery here is that of a wrestling match. It's a really close, tight in battle. You know, it's not one of the commentaries I read said it's not like a laser guided missile from a distance. This is kind of up close and personal fighting, um, which means that that's part of why when we get into some of the equipment that that we're told to put on here it's it's to prepare for that like gets into your your really weak spots it's mm-hmm. not that you're going to be able to have a you know a missile detection system and go oh i see it coming mm-hmm. you know it's it might catch you off guard and it might be in the midst of intense struggle and yeah i i love the words of that and the other thing i want to back up really quickly to is we read this we're going to read it um, in an individual context of what it looks like for an individual to put on the pieces of armor. But m- the verbs used throughout most of this are more collective mm. verbs. Again, our, our more modern day Western mindset tends to look at things individually. And Paul is writing this to a group of believers and is encouraging them to do this 
together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's like, yeah, the soldier puts on their individual armor and picks up their individual weapons, but hopefully they don't go into battle alone. Mm -hmm. They go out with their, their comrades in arms. And that is part of how we win the battle. And, and again, ties back to all the pieces of relationships and unity that he's been building on. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm having images of any good war movie or like um, what what time period or that medieval maybe time period with their shields and you you see those moments whether it's in Gladiator or you know whatever those movies are where they're you know you see them line up together you see them put their they usually kneel down they all put their shields together like they all do it together just that image of them working together so it's not just one individual shield or whatever it is they're they're linking arms and doing it together so that's uh really really good stuff the other thing that is interesting here is we that we want to remind our listeners of is yes every day we're going into battle we're in this wrestling match i imagine if anyone's had a sibling you know growing up with a sibling and i think of my own kids like where you're wrestling and like only that person who's really close to you sometimes knows how to really get in all the chinks of your armor and and really poke and you know hit all those places um and so that is a daily experience for believers i think um that we we do walk through life in that battle but at the same time we know that the victory is already won uh we know the end of the story and so we don't have to uh while we're wrestling we need to continually remind ourselves of um, the fact that Christ has already defeated. Uh, Satan has no power over us, right? Because Christ has already defeated him. And so it is this interesting, it's one of those things that's hard to get our minds wrapped around, like the here, not yet kind of thing. But I, I do think it's a, a good encouragement to remember that, that you know, there, there's nothing that's going to defeat us beyond uh, what Christ has already won yeah. a victory over. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's so true. And, and yet it's something I want to be really sensitive to because I think especially in light of this world that we live in and some of the horrific things that have happened mm-hmm. even just in the last week, that's a hard thing to say. Um, you know, I actually heard after the, the most recent school shooting, the fact that we even categorize mm-hmm. them that way, they were interviewing um, on CNN a, a minister that that night, and he was amazing. And he was talking about kind of like the victory already being won. And it was interesting because the CNN um, reporter who was interviewing him basically said, "I I know that. I grew up in the church. I've heard that. I'm having a really hard time believing yes. that right now." Mm-hmm. And so I want to be sensitive to that too because I feel like that can I, I have it all throughout my notes because it's true, mm-hmm. but it can sound flippant mm. almost be like oh you know the, bat- the victory's already won satan's defeated and like if you talk to somebody who's in the middle of it they right. don't feel like it satan's defeated mm. which is why we do this together mm. so that when we're having those moments of being like you know what <laughs> sure feels like he's winning right now mm. you can have other believers around you to remind you yeah it feels that way but yeah but mm. yeah it's a good word yeah i i appreciate that it's hard stuff but it's good stuff to wade through and be reminded of for sure um, well, we get to uh, verse 11, 13, something like that. <laughs> I think we're just on 11. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, 12, we are wrestling. There we go. Yeah. 10, we're standing firm. 12, we are wrestling hard against uh, all the authorities of um, 
the spiritual forces. And then in 13, we say, all right, then what are you going to do? Well, you need to put on the full armor of God. And so, Chris, I'm going to actually kick this to you because um, I think, again, this imagery of where that armor of God, like why are these the words that Paul uses and where does that image come from? Well, I think, you know, first of all, we're, <laughs> I grew up as a, as a church kid. And so like in Sunday school, I literally remember that there was probably a poster on the Sunday school wall, of like this sturdy looking soldier with Roman armor on. And it was like, had this passage on it. We were probably supposed to memorize it or something. <laughs> so my first instinct is, oh, well, of course, he's writing in the time of the Roman Empire. He's talking about Roman armor. And I think we are meant to have that visual. But again, because scripture is this beautiful thread that's just woven throughout time. Paul knows what he's doing. He's a he's an Old Testament scholar, mm-hmm. if you will, and he throws it back to the Old Testament and some of the very first places where we hear about the armor of God are of God being the one who's putting on this armor and especially in Isaiah and there's a lot of different references, but in Isaiah 59, um, God is 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 displeased with what's going on and he's going to come out strong against it. And it talks about him putting on the righteousness of his breastplate and putting on the helmet of salvation on his head and the garments of vengeance and wrapping himself um, in a cloak of zeal. And, and so Paul knows what he's doing. He, you know, that's, and, and we are reminded it is the full armor again mm-hmm. of God that God has created and has the, the perfect, weapons to fight against evil. And I and again it's the full armor of God. It's not the pieces I pick and choose mm-hmm. because as we go through this list, there are going to be some of these that might seem a little more natural to you or comfortable. Like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I want the belt of truth. Mm, the God the the shoes of the gospel. Uh, I'll leave those in the closet. Um so it's the full armor and it's the full armor of God himself. And even in Psalms he talks about again this again David was a warrior. He was a you know a, a king and a poet, but David was a warrior when he writes the Psalms. He uses a lot of the same imagery. So I think that's kind of where we combine those the understanding of the the contemporary context of the Roman weapons mm-hmm. and we maybe visualize it that way but take it back and know it's part of that that perfect thread yeah. of scripture. Yeah. Well, in the the word put on here is the same word that we talked about uh, back in chapter four uh, when we talked about putting on a new identity. And and similar similarly, um, you know, we 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 put on the new identity that is Christ. Like we are wrapping ourselves, we are clothing ourselves in humility and compassion and those things that are the very character of Christ. We are putting on Christ in that way. And in the same way here, while we have the imagery of God putting on the armor, we are to put on the armor. What we're really putting on is the character of God himself. And so um, I love that in our humanity that we have these images and these metaphors to actually understand um, or not understand it probably, but at least imagine what that might be like. Yeah, and I and I love again that idea, the dailiness of it. Then, mm-hmm. you know, you get up each day, and you most days put on your clothes, and it's part of preparing yourself for the day that's ahead of you. And you dress for the activity of the day. Mm-hmm. And in terms of our our character and our heart, our, you know, our souls and our spirits, God saying, okay, this is what, you know, you know how to do that when you're getting up and going to work. This is what it looks like to do mm-hmm. my work against evil. He's 
you know, we've heard the instructions about putting on some of those other characteristics. These are very specific things that we're putting on to battle evil and to battle the attacks of the enemy. Yeah. And then Paul goes on in verse 14 to say, stand firm. And this is, I think, the third time we see the word stand here, because when the day of evil comes, you must stand your ground. After you have done everything, you are to stand, stand firm then. And this um, word stand, it has a couple of different meanings. But uh, one of the things that comes out of that that I really like is this idea that when you're standing firm, um, you know, I like to work out. And so I imagine um, being on a BOSU ball for those of you that know what a BOSU ball is. But do you think people know what a BOSU ball is? I know what a BOSU ball is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when you're thinking about standing on an exercise ball, maybe is a better way to say it. Like, even though you're just standing, like, think about you have to stand firm or you're going to fall off that thing. Like, if someone comes at you, like, you, you have to stand your ground. You have to stand firm. And so even though we think, oh, I'm just, when you're standing in line, that feels very passive um like you're not doing anything but that's not the reference here like to stand firm or maybe some of you that ski you know think of yourself when you're at the very top of the mountain and you're on your skis and the wind is blowing and it's like it's almost like it could blow you over if you're not standing firm and so that's the the image here again is is not just um kind of standing passively but you're standing firm because there are forces trying to uh knock you down or push you over or or get in your way that keep you from doing that Yeah, and I had very few original thoughts about this passage because (laughs) once you've read some good teaching on it or watched the Priscilla Shire video or something, you're like, "Uh, well, I mean, seriously, what else is there to say? But I did have this little kind of nudge that I imagined was probably the Holy Spirit that was like, remember Joshua? Mm. And in the first, in Joshua 1, as the reins of of leading the Israelites are being handed over from Moses to Joshua, there's repeated instruction to be strong, be strong and courageous, Mm -hmm. be strong. And I feel like, and again, he was getting ready to walk into a really hard position of leadership and into overtaking the promised land. And I think it's, it it reminded me of that. Again, we're just know what you're up against. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we don't go into this blindly. Um, We go in knowing what the enemy, Satan, the devil, whatever you want to call him, he is an active force against goodness and against the people of God. So know what you're going up against. Mm. Know what your your weapons and your armor are. And then back to our point at the beginning, and know that in the end, the battle's won. Mm. We're, we're just kind of keeping him away and providing opportunities for others to come to know Christ and things like that. But have that right mindset about mm. what you're going into. And I think that is to your point about it. It's an active standing. It's yeah. not just hanging out. Yeah. And, you know, part of the other thing I will add on to that about what you have to know is you also have to know where your weaknesses are, right? Anytime you go into battle, you have to know where your own personal weaknesses are so that you know how to protect yourself. And so even though we're putting on the full armor, there may be some of those pieces of armor that are more useful in moments than others. And I think when we when we know um, we know ourselves, we know the lies we are prone to believe we know the places um, that the enemy is most uh, going to attack us or most um, apt to attack us. Like knowing ourselves, knowing all of those things is really important. Uh, Knowing our weaknesses, you know, we joke about how much we talk about the Enneagram on here, but like the fact that I know that envy is a, is a um, weak spot. Yeah. (laughs) 
it's a weak spot for me, right? And so I, I've talked about this on here before, but I don't get envious of people's stuff. It's not a material envy for me. It's it's like I get envious of, of who people are because I see them and who they are, and I think I want to be more like that. And so I get insecure. I get you know all of these ways. So knowing that about myself, right? Knowing where the enemy is going to attack me, um, and be able to prepare myself appropriately with. Uh, these things that we're going to talk about, knowing who God says I am, all of those things reminding me of the truth uh, of, of who God calls me to be and who he is allows me to stand firm in a different way than if I was going into battle completely unaware. Do you know what that sounds like, Sue? Oh, what does that sound like? That sounds like the belt of truth. <laughs> nice. Nice. Tell us more about the belt of truth, Chris. Well, so if you haven't noticed, that was our really snazzy transition into verse 14. It was. By the way, can I just say that I'm sitting here tightening my core the whole time we're having this conversation? All right, then. Is that what I'm going to glean from this? I, oh, maybe. Maybe. All you're right. getting ready to go. I am. I am. So the first piece of, of armor or equipment that um, is included here is the belt of truth. And, you know, there's a couple different things that that this might refer to some of the things I read said, you know, it was most likely some kind of a literal like belt or girdle that you wrapped around yourself. It most likely was kind of like a holster also where your little short sword that we're going to get to later would be, um, be placed at this point in time. Um, most people wore some kind of a robe. So if you were getting ready to move into action, you picked up your robe and you tucked it into your, your belt so that you wouldn't, you know, trip on it when you were running into action. But I think it's important, it, that idea of truth, which is such a, almost a, a word now that makes people scared in some ways, because it's hard to talk about truth. But you got to start there. You've got to know what is true. What is true about God? Mm. What is true about the enemy? What is true about yourself? Before you can proceed because if you don't know or believe those true things and that's not to say you have to have it all figured out before you put on spiritual mm -hmm. armor mm -hmm. but we've got to start there in order to almost like activate the rest of the mm -hmm. equipment and make sure that you're putting on the right thing that's really good that's really good you know in my notes i have written down that um it matters that it's mentioned first and then I realized I wrote nothing else. I'm like, why is it? Why does it matter that it's mentioned first? But that makes a ton of sense because it is the thing that that holds all the other pieces together. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a really good quote that I wrote down. I have a lot of quotes written down, um, but this one was from Warren Wearsby, and he said, "Truth is the integrating force in the life of the victorious Christian." I thought it was interesting. He was victorious unless we practice the truth we cannot use the word of truth. Mm -hmm. So again, it's that idea of, and we've heard this throughout different things that we've studied, but knowing it and then utilizing it. Mm, it's good. Good stuff. All right. So we got our belt of truth on. We are, we, we've got everything ready to go. Um, and then the next thing that we're to put on is the breastplate of righteousness. Um, I'll start us off on this one because uh, I think what's really cool about this one is that the breastplate, when you think about what that covers on a soldier, um, it covers their heart, right? It, it is without the breastplate, they go down um, if someone has access to their heart. And I think that's just such a, a beautiful picture of um, why we need to put on that breastplate of righteousness, why we're putting on the identity of Christ. And and it's not the fact when we talk about righteousness, it is not that we're putting on um, 
you know, it, this is not a, a, a message about salvation right here. No. Although, although it's kind of interesting because we could say that is a truth that you need to know, right? You need to know your security yeah. uh, and all of that. But this is more about um, practical righteousness, how we actually live out. Again, Paul calling them to live out their new life in Christ. And so putting on God's righteousness to cover our hearts as a way to remind us of not only who we are, but how we are now to live um, so that Satan doesn't even get a little bit of a hint in there, um, not even an inch in those areas that we talked about in chapter five of impurity, of lust, of greed, uh, protecting the heart. heart. The heart is the wellspring of life, right? I mean, there, there's so much there that is is good. Yeah, I love it. And I, I'm really glad you made that distinction that this is not talking about us doing anything to put we're righteousness on we are made righteous by the blood of christ Mm. and receiving that gift but then (laughs) there are those we live that out that is it's that's part of the sanctification process after you know you've been saved and i i love that idea um of of how our actions protect our heart and the the choices we make protect us and i (laughs) in my quotes, but I love this, that the life we live either fortifies us against Satan's tasks or makes it easier for him to defeat us. Mm. You know, and I think um, as a parent, when we give instructions to our kids, we do it to protect them. And you can usually see played out that if you, if we kind of follow those right guidelines and practice the right living, it is not a guarantee of a perfect life. But it does, that in and of itself offers a measure of protection. Mm. Um, You know, when you don't go down some of those very slippery paths that lead to addiction and other things like that, when you, if you can kind of, you don't give the enemy a foothold. Mm. And I think we've all been in areas, have areas of our lives where we know, again, to knowing the truth about ourselves, those areas where we can give, you know, the devil a foothold. if something that's a slippery space for you is um, consuming too much, and I'm raising my hand on this one, perhaps the best idea is not to sit and browse Pottery Barn catalogs and and wish for perfect healths and think you need new things every time it comes in the mail. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of that sounds so trivial, but that's part of protecting my heart. And for me, that might be part of putting on my breastplate of righteousness. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it sounds so silly, but if that's a place that Satan can go, oh, you know, it's not very glamorous, but I know how to get her. Mm-hmm. I know how to distract her. He's mm-hmm. going to do it. Yeah. That's such a great example. I don't watch um, HGTV because of that, because I get house envy, right? And so then I think, you know what, this is not a good place for, I start to want things, you know, it doesn't lead my heart into a good place. And so I shut that down. And I've never thought of that in context of, of putting on that being a piece of putting on your armor. Again, it's not very glamorous, but if that's your weak spot, then that's one of the places you need to protect. It's good. So good. Um, All right. Verse 15, the gospel shoes of peace uh, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Um, You know, it's funny. This is one I've typically just kind of skipped over. Just me or you? Is it? Well, (laughs) yes. And I think partially because it's one of the ones that the way at least it's phrased, phrased in the NIV is it it isn't, it doesn't say shoes, although much of the commentaries kind of say that. Um, but I almost got the most out of this me one. Me too, me too. Well, then go, girl. That's, Let's hear it. I was going to say, you go first. Um, 
Well, I, I think several different things. I don't know which place to start. But one of the things that stood out to me was, first of all, um, you think about a soldier going into battle. They would never go into battle barefoot right? You're never going to not put on your shoes. When you think about it, shoes almost seem like an afterthought until maybe you don't have shoes. And then all of a sudden you start thinking about how imperative, essential it is to have the right footwear on your feet. Not only when you go into battle, but like literally when you do anything. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I, I mean, I can think of one time going to Orange Theory and I left, I was going from somewhere else and I left my shoes at home and I could not participate in I know oh, actually one of my trainers gave me her spare <laughs> pair of shoes oh, but but it was one of those moments like it's such an afterthought yeah and like oh we need those and we need the right we need the right ones right. and you know to a Roman soldier like if you have ever had a pair of gladiator sandals I'm pretty sure those aren't on in in fashion right now, but I know I still have a pair in my closet you know like a Roman soldier had like Wait, these lace gladiator sandals no, what is that <laughs> Literally no. Okay, so I'm a little bit older than you. But no, they're like a leather sandal and they lace up. They usually come up over your ankles oh, and they lace up. You know what a gladiator okay, sandal yes. is. Okay, yes. I, I didn't know they were called that. I should have worn mine today. Oh, gosh, um, but I wore them when I went to Italy. Of course they you were did. Roman. Um, but they were leather. But like if you were a soldier, they actually had almost like nails in the bottom, or they call mm. them hobnails, to give you better grip to make it so that if you were going out in the wilderness and fighting, you know, and you had to climb up something, it would almost be like wearing, you know, like climbing shoes in a way to get just to, again, back to the stand firm to it's that foundation is all the rest of the, the armor going to matter if, if you fall down the minute you start running or right. somebody steps on your big toe and you scream and double, you know, it's afterthought, but it's so important. Yeah, and if you've ever been in a situation where you've not had the right shoes on, you know how frustrating that is. Or if you get blisters, if you um, just are uncomfortable nonstop because you didn't choose wisely. And there is a choice here because when you think about it, if you go into REI or you know, your sporting goods store or wherever, think of all of the choices you have on what kind of shoes you're going to buy for the activity that you're going to do. And so the fact that we have the proper shoes for the right activity um, you know, the gospel shoes of peace, like the the gospel of peace, we have a choice of putting that on and we could put on different shoes that don't bring peace and don't bring unity and, and don't bring the fruits of the spirit, or we can put on our shoes of peace each and every day that we go out the door. It's kind of, kind of transformational as I'm sitting here saying it to myself. Yeah. Well, and I think part of why this one stuck with me too, is because this is one of the this is convicting to me. This is one of the pieces of armor that I might want to switch out for something different. Mm. You know, the gospel shoes of peace sound like active wear. They sound like mm. you're ready to go and, you know, carry. You think about Paul. Paul had the gospel shoes of peace, I'm pretty sure. And think about the, the places he carried that transformative gospel of peace. Mm. He into places where he was not wanted, into places where he was stoned, into places that were difficult to get to. And I, I like comfort. And mm. the gospel shoes of peace don't sound like Ugg slippers. They sound like mm. hiking boots that are going to take me into hard places. Mm. And so this is, this is one of the ones that I really thought, ooh, that it's not an easy, it's not calling us to an easy thing, but it is part of the armor of God. Yeah. And I think, another one of my little quotes here, but somebody said, Warren Wiersbe, he actually had really good stuff on this. The most <laughs> victorious Christian 
is a witnessing Christian was mm-hmm. what he said in context to this. And think about that. If you're not if you're unashamed of the gospel of Christ mm-hmm. and if you're putting on those gospel shoes of peace and carrying it out, mm-hmm. that's you're that's living out your faith. That's not being shy or I don't know. It's it's fully owning it. Mm-hmm. And that I don't know. That this one hit me hard. Mm, that's good. Well, the other thing that hit me about it is the juxtaposition between we're talking about battle and we're talking about going to your know, wrestling match and then we're talking about the gospel shoes of peace. And it is so interesting to think, you know, when we go into battle, um, you know, there one of the not only to take the gospel, um, but the fact that it's a peaceful gospel in the midst of this battle that is waging war against us. Like what an interesting, like Jesus came to bring peace. You know, when you, um, you know, when you read even his entry into, uh, into the world, you know, and he, he, the, the angels, good tidings, right? Um, why can't I get any of these words right? Good tidings. Uh, it's because it's not Christmas. That's why I can't get the right <laughs> But anyway, Jesus comes to bring peace. Yeah. And so that's how the, he's heralded in. He's not heralded in as this warrior, right? right. But as someone who's going to bring peace to the nations. And so what an interesting... I just, I just think there's a lot I'm turning over in my mind right there. Yeah. That's why we have to talk about it because mm. it, it brings it out. Well, and it, it's funny... Because we'll probably be racing through by the time we get to the end. But when we get to Paul's benediction at the end of Ephesians, he's going to hit home on that idea of peace Mm -hmm. again. And what a huge part of the gospel that is, that Mm -hmm. the only true source of peace is Christ. Mm -hmm. And isn't that a message that is for every generation. Mm, Good. All right. We have a couple more elements and then we want to get to uh, kind of the end of where we're at. Woo. Time is flying. Um, All right. So we have the shield of faith. We have the helmet of salvation and we have the sword of the spirit. So make some, what kind of comments do you want uh, there? Shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. Oh, there is some great stuff on shield of faith. There is good stuff on shield of faith. Start there. Yeah. Well, so this is one of those, you already referred to it kind of. So the shields they're talking, presumably talking about, are those Roman shields. They were probably about, not little bitty like Captain, um, Captain America's shield is big, but a big two by, two foot by four foot, like meant to cover most of the front of your body. And I imagine they're probably pretty heavy, usually covered in leather to make them even stronger, to make them impervious to even flaming arrows. Mm. Um, but And to me, the best part of them, aside from protecting the front of you, is that what they were meant for yes. was that you would walk into battle with other people and you could almost, they were almost like notched, so that when you stood still next to the your comrades in arms with them, they would lock up and form a wall, either a wall to stand against an enemy or even maybe more importantly, to slowly push forward mm. and to make progress against mm. the enemy. And I think, oh, what an amazing image of calling us um, to unity, to not doing this life of faith on our mm. own. Um, I think for me, sometimes when I'm in places of doubt in my faith, when I have questions, when I don't think my faith is strong enough, if I have sisters or brothers of Christ on either side of me, that my shield, even if I'm like, oh, my shield doesn't feel like it's, it feels like it's an inch by an inch and mm. has holes in it. But if I'm linking it up with the people around me, 
I don't have to be strong enough on my own. Yeah. Um, I have the shield of faith given by God, but I'm uniting it with others. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I love about this piece is, is the scripture says, um, with which you can extinguish, extinguished all the flaming arrows. And that again, something I just kind of pass over, but why extinguish? Why not block them? Why not, um, something else? Well, during that time, the Roman soldiers would actually, their shields were covered in leather, um, and they would wet their shields. And so when an arrow, when a flaming arrow came at them, um, it would, psh, right? Psh, and then a great, just yeah, like that, just like that. <laughs> and, and that's another call to not only are we helping block each other, but we're helping by knowing the truth, by putting on that belt. If we all have that on, right, we can extinguish those arrows on behalf of one another when yeah. we notice things coming at us that are not of God. So I, I love that. Psh, Psh, I just keep doing that. So good. Um, helmet of salvation. It's funny that I just kind of want to skip over that. <laughs> I know. It's so but important. there's like not much. What else do we say about that? Well, like, I, and I, you know, there were the commentaries I read said this might have been talking about like a ceremonial helmet indicating the victory's already been won. This mm-hmm. is one that actually in Isaiah talks about God putting on the helmet of salvation, which mm-hmm. is kind of something to wrestle with. Part of what the way I kind of like to take it is we talked about the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness protecting your heart. But the helmet mm. of salvation may be protecting your mind. Yeah. Um, and that reminder of our salvation and who saves us, not ourselves, is just one more way that we stand strong against the attacks of the enemies, maybe making us doubt our salvation. Because if you're doubting your salvation going into battle against evil, and that's kind of a scary place to be. So it's that that reminder of that we are saved in Christ and we are victorious in Christ mm. and don't and letting our mind not be affected mm. by those questions and doubts. Which is why we need the full armor of God the on, full armor. right? We don't because, get to pick and choose. I mean, I tell my kids all the time, like, what you put in your mind affects your heart and it's going to come out of your mouth. You know, like, I'm constantly telling them, like, we can't separate our mind and our heart. And so we got to protect all things. Well, and I think, um, I forgot that I remembered this, but Romans eight thirty eight, when Paul wrote to the Romans, for I'm convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death or anything else under all creation will be able to sep- separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. That, to, Knowing that and reminding myself that is putting on the helmet of salvation. Yeah, it's good. All right, lastly, the sword of the Spirit. Uh, what do you got on that? Well, I think I always grew up thinking this meant like know your Bible. Yeah. And I think that's true, that it's important to know the Bible. But that's probably not what Paul was talking about because the Old Testament, they had access to that, although a lot of these non-Jewish believers probably didn't. But the word um, rhema that he uses here is really talking back to that foundational gospel truth probably. Mm-hmm. And that that, um, that message of truth is what we're armed with, um, that message of the good news of salvation and resurrection, and that using that, and it's this, again, the sword is that it's not the big long sword that we're like parrying mm-hmm. way out in front of us. This was ref- referring mm-hmm. more to like almost like a little short sword that you use for that up close and personal mm-hmm. fighting um, to just that that's, that's like our, that's our weapon. That's mm-hmm. the one offensive piece of equipment that's mentioned here everything else is defensive but Mm. it's like when you have that that knowledge and choose to use it that's really what's causes Mm. the damage to satan the rest of it repels him this is like 
Yeah. You can't get me. Mm. There is so much good stuff here. And I would I would recommend if you have not gone through Priscilla Shire's Armor of God, it's one of the best studies um, that I have ever done. I mean, on any subject. She's such a great teacher. It's so good. You can find it on Lifeway, uh, lifeway.org, I believe it is. Um, but I would definitely recommend checking that out. Um, well, Chris, we're almost out of time. And I just, I just want to end this um, by acknowledging how... Cl- Paul closes out this letter and he closes out in verse 18 and he, t- he reminds them to pray uh, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind, be alert. It's kind of that same, be stand, stand firm, know your enemy, be alert and keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And then he says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, which again, we see throughout the whole book. He's talking about the mystery of the the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Remember he's in prison when I write this and he says, pray that I declare it fearlessly as I should. Um, What, what about this closing exhortation to pray? Well, I, I, I love it. And this again is a part that really challenges me. I, I feel like I'm ready to do a study on prayer mm. um, because I'm starting to be convicted that that is one of the biggest tools that we have. And I think it's Priscilla Shire that actually says that while we talk about the six pieces of the armor of God, that this might be considered the seventh. Mm. And then some commentators even say this actually goes back and is kind of what activates, it precedes mm. the um, putting on all the rest of the armor. There's some Greek verb forms and stuff that take us all the way back. But I love that at least in the NIV and the English translation, we get that um, connecting word and pray. It's part, the pray is part of all of this. Mm. And then he goes through and he just, you know, he reminds us of those quick ways, pray on all occasions. Nothing's off limits. Nothing's too big or too small. Um, It's a life of communion rather than just like, oh, I will pray before dinner and I will pray in church. Mm. It's that ongoing um, somebody I read called it like spiritual breathing is is how prayer is meant and it in a way is a form of if you go back to the military imagery it, it's almost like your walkie-talkie you know talk to your commander like you know mm. what's to hear that lifeline um, it's hard work you know it's again it's an this is an active it's meant to help us stand firm it is not, I mean, we are not restricted to foxhole moment prayers. Mm. I think that's part of, again, the, the equipping. It's that ongoing um, putting it on, keeping the communication open. And as we've done everything throughout Ephesians, it's done in the spirit. It's, you know, and I, so it's bringing that Trinitarian bit in there and pray for all people is the unity of it. I mean, mm. it just, I, I could do a whole, I mean, mm. not me we could do a whole podcast mm-hmm. on these three verses yeah. because I think the instructions are so important. And again, are to me an encouragement because it's reminding us what a powerful tool, weapon, mm-hmm. protection, whatever you gift prayer is. And that then Paul himself asks for prayer. Yeah. Here he is, Paul the apostle. And he's like, pray for me. And what does he ask for? He doesn't say pray for my protection. Though I think in other letters, some of that comes up. But here, pray that I will be a bold, fearless witness. Mm. How often do we pray that for someone? Mm. I I pray a lot of prayers of protection and healing, but I don't know how often I pray 
for myself or others to be a bold, fearless mm. witness for Christ. Yeah. We, pr- we pray for protection from the battle and not necessarily for our armor as we enter into battle. You know, yeah. that's a good, um, good thought. Yeah. And just the way that Paul just urges them, begs them, pray for me, pray for me. And, you know, if we ever come to a moment where we feel like, I don't know why we do this as Americans, especially like we don't want to ask for a prayer. We don't want to be a burden. And this is just that great example. Again, we can't do this alone. We need each other. We need to lift each other up before our father. Yeah, I mean, Jesus asked the disciples to pray mm-hmm. with him as a way, I think, to equip them. I think that was, you know, he was asking for prayer on his behalf, but I think he was, that was part of the the tools and the, that he was offering to the disciples in the garden, the Gethsemane he was like, pray along with me and then they didn't avail themselves of that. And that, you know, and then we saw them fall apart a little bit and I'm like, Oh yeah. When Jesus tells you to pray, yeah, at least try to stay awake. Yeah, and I say that as somebody who falls asleep praying all the time. <laughs> well, that's why we we need each other. We need our armor, right? We need every good thing that this letter uh, has brought to just our conversations, to uh, the Bible, to what it said to the church at the time, and just so many good, so much good wisdom and exhortations in this book of Ephesians. And so, Chris, I can't believe we're done with I the know. book of Ephesians. Um, but thank you so much for not only being here for um, today, but just for your preparation uh, that goes into this, just how much uh, work and wisdom and prayer you put into just these conversations. I know they bless so many people. They bless me. So thanks for being here in 2022 as we've studied the book of Ephesians. I so appreciate you. Oh, well, it is my my joy. And um, I'm always convinced when I've come out of this, Every single time we've recorded one of these, it's been something that I need Mm. to learn and that God needs to work on in me. So I'm always grateful for the gift of of setting aside that time to go, oh, okay. Yeah, I love how good our God is. Yeah, that's a great word to end on. Well, friends, uh, thank you also for being here today. Thank you for hanging with us through this study of Ephesians. I hope that you've been encouraged. I hope you have learned a few things. I hope you've been challenged and I hope that you um, have been and gone deeper in community with someone around you as a result of this conversation. So um, this officially wraps up season three of Deeper Still. Praise God. Not praise God that it's done, but praise God that we've gone through three seasons. I just love doing this. What a privilege it is to do this kind of work and to get to talk to you so openly in this format. So thanks for inviting me in this unique way uh, into your life. It's such such a privilege and I so love being part of the conversation that God is doing in your life. Um, we are going to do season four of Deeper Still. Uh, I am so excited to get to work on that. We don't have the schedule nailed down quite yet for that, but don't worry. We will be sure to let you know. Be sure to follow us at Christchurch Women on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, would love to hear if there's any topics you want to hear about or questions you are wondering about or maybe even guests you know that would like to be part of the show. Would love to uh, hear about that so drop us a note on social media or drop me an email at my Christchurch email I would love to hear from you Uh, in the meantime I do hope that you experience the love and the grace of God in new ways today in new ways over the next couple of months I pray that he meets you exactly where you're at as a reminder of his presence in your life I do hope that you remember to put on that armor of God each and every day clothe yourselves with the character of Christ because um 
we need it and it's what we have as a church body together and so be sure to do that but I just uh, we'll be praying for you as God calls you to go deeper still and we will see you back here for season four.